Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 54, Teaching Kids How to Work with Marin Ellertson. My name is Jessie Ellertson and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. We're going to start out this episode today with a battle buddy moment, which is a podcast review from Nadia17. And the title is Empowering. And it says, Jesse's podcasts are empowering and beneficial. I've learned so much in just a few episodes. I look forward to listening to them all and thriving during my husband's next deployment. Thank you so much for that review and keep them coming, everybody. I really appreciate it when you take the time to leave a review for my podcast. I have such a treat for you guys today. I hope you're excited. You can see from the title of this episode that my daughter Marin Ellertson is here with me today helping me out with this episode. Welcome, Marin. Thanks, Mom. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? I am 13 years old and I'm going into eighth grade and I love to paint and play volleyball. Oh, so good. Thanks, Mayor. She's here today as my special guest to help me talk about how it has been going for my kids, learning how to work for me and my husband. And I wanted her to be able to give her version of things because I know how I think it's going, but I want to hear how one of my kids thinks it's going. So I'm really glad that you're willing to be here. Thanks, Mayor. Today we're talking about teaching kids how to work and how to work hard and how to learn that work ethic and appreciate the results of working hard. And we're going to talk about what it's like teaching little kids and what it's like working with older kids. And one reason I wanted to do this podcast episode today is this is an important topic to me because I think that teaching kids how to work hard is a really important job that we have as parents. So what I thought I would do is start with talking a little bit about what it was like for me growing up when I was younger and learning how to work. And then I've been talking with my husband a little bit about what it was like for him growing up. And then I'll talk about what we've been doing with our kids. And the reason I want to structure it that way is because what we do with our kids is a lot based on what was important to us and how we learned when we were kids. So when I was growing up, I was the youngest of six kids. So I have a pretty limited perspective on how hard work went in my family over the whole span of my family's time. So if my siblings are listening to this, and they better be, (laughs) they can know that I can only share what my experiences were, even though my older siblings probably had a different experience than me. But by the time that I was of working age, we had our Saturday morning chores, and they were called Pig Me Too, which is really funny. The reason that we called our Saturday morning chores Pig Me Too is based on uh, Richard Scarry's story. If you've ever read or watched Busy Town or any of his stories like that, he has a character named Pig Will and a character named Pig Won't and they're brothers. And the way this story goes is something like whenever Pig Will and Pig Won't's parents ask them to do something, Pig Will says, I will, and Pig Won't says, well, I won't. And the story goes on showing that since Pig Will is willing to go and help and work and be a part of all of that, he gets to have these great opportunities too. And he's learning how to work and he's learning skills. And by the end, Pig won't realize that he's missing out quite a bit. And so at the end, when the parents say, oh, who will come help me do this thing? Pig Will says, I will. And Pig won't says, 
Me too. From then on, he's called Pig Me Too instead of Pig Won't. So my parents loved that story and decided to call our Saturday morning chores Pig Me Too. And it was in an effort to teach us some of the concepts from that story and show us that if we have a good attitude and we're willing to help out, that we will have great experiences. So it reminds me of another story that I grew up hearing a lot. And it's the story of the little red hen making the bread, if any of you have heard it. And I like this one particularly because I grew up eating homemade whole wheat bread. And now I make homemade whole wheat bread for my kids. And so I'm actually going to have Marin share that story with you today. Take it away, Mare. Once upon a time, there was a little red hen who lived on a farm. She was friends with a lazy dog, a sleepy cat, and a noisy yellow duck. One day, the little red hen found some seeds on the ground. The little red hen had an idea. She would plant the seeds. The little red hen asked her friends, Who will help me plant the seeds? Not I, barked the lazy dog. Not I, purred the sleepy cat. Not I, quacked the noisy yellow duck. Then I will, said the little red hen. So the little red hen planted the seeds all by herself. When the seeds had grown, the little red hen asked her friends, Who will help me cut the wheat? Not I, barked the lazy dog. Not I, purred the sleepy cat. Not I, quacked the noisy yellow duck. Then I will, said the little red hen. So then the little red hen cut the wheat all by herself. When all the wheat was cut, the little red hen asked her friends, Who will help me take the wheat to the mill to be ground into flour? Not I, barked the lazy dog. Not I, purred the sleepy cat. Not I, quacked the noisy yellow duck. Then I will, said the little red hen. So the little red hen brought the wheat to the mill all by herself, ground the wheat into flour, and carried the heavy sack of flour back to the farm. The tired little red hen asked her friends, Who will help me bake the bread? Not I, barked the lazy dog. Not I, purred the sleepy cat. Not I, quacked the noisy yellow duck. Then I will, said the little red hen. So the little red hen baked the bread all by herself. When the bread was finished, the tired little red hen asked her friends, Who will help me eat the bread? I will, barked the lazy dog. I will, purred the sleepy cat. I will, quacked the noisy yellow duck. No, said the little red hen. I will. And the little red hen ate the bread all by herself. Okay, thanks for reading that story, Marin. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Stories like that can be a a really effective way to teach kids some of these concepts you're trying to help them learn about working hard, which is that if you're willing to contribute to the overall work, you get to reap the benefits. If you're willing to have a good attitude, it makes working so much better. Many hands make light work. You know, you're trying to teach them all these concepts, and sometimes these children's stories can help you teach your young ones these kinds of concepts. So I just wanted to share a couple of those stories with you from my childhood. Another lesson that I learned growing up about working hard was my family owned several rental properties. And so probably once or twice a year, when we would have a family move out, we would go in our family and do whatever repairs needed to be done and fix up the backyard. Typically there wasn't a lot of work to do. Sometimes it needed to be painted again before we had a new family move in. But every once in a while we had a pretty rough situation where the current renters would have really quite trashed and damaged the place. And we would go in and we sometimes we had to rip out all the carpet if you know if they'd had their their pets having accidents on the carpet and sometimes the the yard would be trashed or you know different things. We'd have to do a lot of cleaning. 
And we just all rolled up our sleeves and dug in and got it, got it done. We were my dad's little crew. And that was how I learned how to do a lot of those things, learned how to paint, learned how to use tools. And even though while I was doing it, I'm sure I really did not like it. It is one of the big things that taught me how to work hard and taught me a lot of confidence in those kind of project areas. So now I am grateful for that. At the time, I'm sure I was a grump and probably had a bad attitude, but (laughs) I'm glad that my dad and mom really showed us how to roll our sleeves up and dig in. A couple other thoughts from my growing up was I did remember feeling like I always had more chores than my friends. And that was hard again at the time. But now, same story. I am grateful that that was such a big part of my growing up. Okay, so a couple of stories that my husband shared with me that really stood out to him from his growing up years learning how to work was also the Saturday morning chores. Music was always a big part of keeping everybody's attitudes up and and happy during work. His dad was mostly in charge of getting the kids to do the work outside, and his mom was more in charge of getting the kids to do the work inside. They would often make a list, and the kids just had to kind of attack the list and get it done. When he had to get his room clean, especially when he was younger, and he had a really hard time staying on task, he has some vivid memories of his mom just sitting on his bed, saying, okay, now put that away, now put that away, and just walking him through every step of cleaning up his room. He had to do it, of course, but she was in there just keeping him on task when he would get really distracted. Brad and I both feel really lucky to have the childhoods that we had and the parents that we had, and we're so grateful that them teaching us to work hard was one of their high priorities as it is for us now and with our children. So now we're going to talk about how it's gone in our family. And this is where I'm excited to have Marin chime in when she has things to say. So it's definitely been an evolution over the years. When your kids are all tiny, there's only so much you can do. But the attitude that we've tried to have throughout all of our child rearing is that we start them on things before they're going to be good at it. That's, that's kind of how we look at it. You don't wait to have them clean the toilet until they'll do a perfect job because they don't do a perfect job until they're like, you know, 10 or 12 or something. And what we tried to do was have them work with us, you know, cleaning a bathroom, cleaning a toilet, even when they were younger so that they could be learning how to do it, even if they did a really poor job. Uh, you know, similar with doing dishes, you know, they're, they load the dishwasher really poorly. Even if you're teaching them right where to put it, they're stacking cups together and, you know, things like that. And we'd often go back and just fix it a little bit. But that's worked for us really well is just have them start doing things almost before they're ready with a very appropriate expectations. Maren, do you have any memories of doing chores when you were like really little? What's the earliest thing you remember doing? Nothing specific comes to mind, but I do remember doing what we would call a white tornado. So uh, what is a white tornado, Mare? A white tornado is just a fun little name we like to call just a quick cleanup around the house. Yeah, and I forget that that's weird and that nobody else calls it that because we'll have friends over and I'll say, oh guys, let's just do a white tornado really quick and they look at me, what's a white tornado? (laughs) So this is what we called it when I was growing up too and I've just passed that name on to my kids and it just means, it's kind of like white water is moving really fast, white tornado is where you're just like running around like the Tasmanian devil just cleaning everything up in sight super fast. The, The point of it is usually we'll turn on music make it really fun and everyone's like racing each other to get things cleaned up as fast as possible. So we've been doing that since our kids were very little. 
Lately in our White Tornadoes, we have been listening to the first song in the soundtrack of The Greatest Showman. Yeah, this is The Greatest Show, or what is it called? It's called I think that's The Greatest Show. The Greatest Show. And it Why is, do we do that song? And the reason why we listen to that one while we're doing a White Tornado is because it is exactly five minutes, so we try and get it done before the song ends. It just makes it a game, makes it fun, especially for the younger ones. And the older kids just uh, play along, which is very nice of them. So we've been doing that since our kids were little, and we still do it to this day. I, If my house is a disaster from a day of playing, I just say, okay, kids, quick white tornado, and then we'll you know, go to the park, or then we'll eat dinner, then we'll watch a show. Whatever is coming up next, we do that quick white tornado to reset the house. With my kids, I really have used what I call like a dangle the carrot philosophy as well, where I say, once you've, you know, done this chore and gotten ready for bed, then you can, you know, watch a 20-minute episode on TV. So I, I'm fully supportive of, you know, you might call it bribing. I call it dangling the carrot. But basically just kind of hang that reward in front of them and say, if you can get ready for, you know, get this chore done and get ready for bed in eight minutes, then you can do this. And then I start a timer. And all of that makes them very excited to try to go as quickly as possible and get it all done. Okay, when all my kids were little, I would see all kinds of awesome ideas on Pinterest and what my friends were doing about chore charts and different incentive programs and all of these things. But for me, everyone just has to do what works for them. But for me, what worked for me was keeping it very flexible, not rigid. I wanted my kids to be doing a little bit of work every day, to have work a part of their regular life. And I wanted them to really realize what their family contribution was, what it meant to live in a family and be doing the work that was required for being in that family. And so I, for a long time, I would call it family work rather than chores or you know any kind of chore chart. I just would say, each day I would say, okay, time for family work. And then it was any little job or chore that I had in mind that I wanted to get done that day. So it might be the dishes or just picking up their rooms And I would say, time for family work. And then they knew that we were just going to work all together for five or ten minutes until whatever project was done. And then at the end of the week, rather than paying them for chores, I, I would give them a little allowance. And it was, you know, it was usually based on their age and it wasn't very much, but when they were young, they were really excited about even a few quarters. (laughs) And I would give them their little allowance at the end of each week and say, thank you for your family work this week. And so rather than paying them per chore, having to keep up with any certain rigid chore chart or schedule, I had the freedom to just call any job I wanted done family work. They were participating in work all week. And I liked calling it family work because it showed them that this is what we do as a family. Do you remember getting allowance when you were little, Mare? It's funny how much we forget, but... Yeah, I remember we would put our money in a little Ziploc bag and I was so excited when I first got my $100 bill. (laughs) It took her a while to work up to a $100 bill but Marin, one reason I wanted to bring her on for this episode is she's one of my hardest workers and she's one of my best money savers. She's really great at earning money and she's really great at saving money. She spends it too but very wisely and very thoughtfully where some of my other kids money really comes and goes with them. Okay now that I have older kids and little kids, but I have kids that are old enough to really be accountable and responsible and get a good amount of work done in an independent way. We definitely are more organized in the way we do our family work now. 
So what we did a couple of years ago that worked really well, we're not doing it right now, but it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. So I wanted to share it with you on here in case this was an idea you wanted to try out. I called it awesome tallies and chore tallies. Do you want to try to explain this to them, Mary, what we did with this? Sure. So we have awesome tallies and chore tallies and they kind of cancel each other out. So every time we do something for mom or do a chore, we get an awesome tally. And you would get chore tallies if you left your backpack in the middle of the floor or if you left your dishes out or if you did something bad. Like came home late from friend's house or fight with your siblings. I could say, oh, that's a chore tally. And at the end of the week on Sunday, we would settle up and awesome tallies would cancel out chore tallies. So if we had more than the other, say... If we had more awesome tallies than chore tallies, we would either get to choose a candy bar or get a dollar. For each one. For each one. And if we had more chore tallies than awesome tallies, then we had to do a chore. Yes. And what did you, how did you like this system? I think you guys really liked it. When we stopped doing it, you asked for it back. Yeah, one of the main things I liked about it was getting awesome tallies. And I think that was good because you were getting us to do more good things for you. Yeah. So a couple of things that I loved about it were the awesome tally parts. Uh, I'll clarify on that a little bit. They would earn awesome tallies. I'd be watching for them to be doing something without being asked, to be going the extra mile, to be helping out with one of their little brothers or sisters. That was a real help to me, particularly without being asked. Sometimes I would say, oh, if you do this, I'll give you an awesome tally. So sometimes they, they, they were asked to do it and then they would do it. Or if they did something with a really good attitude, I would give them like an extra awesome tally. So it was really fun to have a way to give them those instant rewards for doing things that were really helpful to me. So as a parent, we're always looking for those opportunities to acknowledge the positive things that our kids are doing, but it's not very easy to do sometimes. It's often much easier to notice the negative things they do or the things that are hard and kind of punish. So it was fun to have that really on my brain of of looking for the amazing things they were doing and then having a really low drama way to also kind of deliver that quick, swift, applicable punishment. So I liked it when I didn't need to snap at my kids to show them, you know, oh, you sh- you shouldn't have come home late. You shouldn't have left your backpack in the middle of the floor again. Instead, I could just say, oh, chore tally. And I'd go mark it. And they knew they had that immediate consequence for the decision they made and they were always working to have more awesome tallies than chore tallies so that they could get some chocolate and dollar bills at the end of the week anyway it was a good system i really liked it but we have kind of graduated from that so i wanted to share that with you guys in case that was something you wanted to try it was so fun okay so what we're doing these days is called zones do you want to tell them about zones man this is just the system for the four older kids the little kids I just work with them on their chores. So here, here's what we do for the four older kids. So zones is where there are four zones for each kid. And we switch off doing each of the zones every week. There is upstairs, main floor, kitchen, and garbages slash animals. Every day of the week, whatever zone we were on, we do the zone after dinner. And I like how certain zones are easier than the other ones. So every so often we get a break from the harder zones. Like garbages and animals is a little bit easier than all of the rest of them. So give them an example, Mayor, of one of the zones. Like what's your zone this week? 
My zone is kitchen, so what I have to do is unload the clean dishwashers, then load the dishes into the dishwasher, put away all the clean pots and pans, and wipe the counters. Okay, and then you do that every day? Yes, I do that every day, and I also have things we do on Saturday morning. They are called weekly chores. And it's, the, it's the weekly part of your zone. Yeah, yeah, It's the weekly part of our zone. And on kitchen, it is clean the kitchen desk and clean the guest bathroom. Awesome. And so then, even though you have to do dishes all week, then what what's great about that, though? Because when was the next time you have to do dishes? The next time I have to do dishes is three weeks away. Yeah, so it kind of, they kind of get sick of doing dishes by the end of the week, but then they don't have to do dishes almost. They, they do each zone once a month, so they get a big break. So they're all really liking this one, and, and especially right now while school has been out, having uh, daily chores instead of just doing like a bunch of chores on Saturday morning has worked out really well for us. And I love how, I love how at the end of the day, while I'm putting the little girls to bed, the kids are getting their zones done. And then the house is just clean and we get to enjoy our evening, whether they're going out with friends or having screen time or playing. We just get to enjoy a clean, quiet house and push reset on the house every day. That's what I like about it. They also have a list, so it's very independent for them that they can just knock out what's on the list. Okay, let's talk about Sheila. <laughs> Man, tell us who Sheila is and how she came about. So Sheila is our imaginary maid and <laughs> And she's also the teacher of annoying school. And how she came to be is all the time we left our dishes out. Wait, wait, wait. All the time you left it out like you used to or you currently do? Every time we leave dishes out, mom says, do you guys have a maid I don't know about? So the reason I ask them this question is, you know, I'll either say, do you guys have a maid I don't know about? Or why are you acting like you have a maid? Because you don't. And that's just when they walk away from, you know, their dishes on the counter. They're done eating and they just walk away. And I'm thinking, they must think they have a maid. Otherwise, why else would they have left their dishes there like someone else is going to clean it up? Because it ain't going to be me. So anyway, then one day, how did, how did, who made up Sheila? Grace made up Sheila. Oh. Grace left her dishes out and mom said, Grace, do you, do you have a maid I don't know about? And she said, yes, her name is Sheila. <laughs> I had forgotten that it was Grace that made that up. That's so cute. So now we joke about Sheila and how what a bad job she does at being our maid because she's never around and she never cleans anything up. So we really should get a different maid. And we're all just being big time jokers because my kids just are supposed to be cleaning up after themselves. And sometimes they do a great job and sometimes they slack and need some reminding. So over time, it's just evolved that Sheila must be the teacher at annoying school. Because if you were going to be a really annoying maid, you would never do your job, right? So another thing that we've been doing recently that's been working really well is called First Things. And I got this from my sister, and it's just a great way to start our day. Particularly, again, since we've been out of school for so long. When we have a normal school morning, everybody just gets up and gets going. You know, we haven't been in school since March, and so days start just a little bit slower. And so now we have something called First Things that we do in the morning. So tell us about that, Mary. When mom wakes us up, she says, time for breakfast and reading. So we go downstairs. We make ourselves breakfast and sit down and we have family scripture study. Then when everyone's done with breakfast, we go over and sit on the comfier couches and mom reads us a little bit out of whatever book we're reading. And what are we reading right now? It's called Aragon 
it's about dragons. Yeah, we're just at the beginning, but I think it's going to be pretty good. I'm excited. I love to read to my kids. It's one of my favorite, favorite things we do together. And even though they're all excellent readers now, I think they kind of enjoy when I read to them. <laughs> okay, maybe more than kind of. Okay. Oh, so we didn't talk about first things, though. So after we're done with reading, Mom says, Okay, time for first things. We also have a first things list, just like zones. And we have to eat breakfast, make our bed, clean our room, do gymnastics, play piano. um, Get dressed. Get dressed. Brush our teeth. Eat breakfast. You already said that one. That's okay. What's great about it is... It just helps the kids. Like, we're there in their PJs when we're eating breakfast and reading. And then I say, okay, guys, first things, you know, I'll go rock it out. And it just gives them that specific task to do to get their day going. They get their piano practice done first thing in the morning. And just a quick, fun, easy way to start the day. And I can follow up with them saying, oh, have you, do you have your first things done? Like, when they come up to me and say, now can I whatever they want to do. And I don't say yes till they have their first things done. And that's been working really well. And my sister Erica gave me that idea. Okay, a couple other things I wanted to mention before we wrap up this episode. Okay, we have a couple of kind of family mottos. One is Team Ellertson. That one's pretty simple, but I'll put my hand out. When I'm making a plan with the kids, I'll say, okay, we're going to do this, 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 this. Okay, Team Ellertson on three. And I put my hand out and each kid grabs one of my fingers and then we say Team Ellertson and then we go and do whatever plan we've made, which is fun. Usually it's like what we need to get done before we go have fun, you know. And another thing we say is we work hard until the hard work is done. Yes, that's my favorite model right there. We work hard till the hard work's done because kids often want to stop before it's over. <laughs> they want to work hard until the hard work's almost done. And so that's one thing that we'll say a lot in our family. We work hard till the hard work's done. And another one we'll say is the, the job is done once you're proud of your work right? Is that one we've been working on recently? Because kids often want to go through it pretty quick and just move on. But I'm trying to teach them how to not just do it so that I'll be satisfied, but I want them to be really proud of the work that they've done. Do you have any thoughts on any of that, Mary? Um, no. One of the most important things to me that I'm teaching my kids is that concept that I just mentioned of them doing it for them and not me. It's pretty easy for them to want to, oh, I have to get my homework done so that I won't be in trouble with mom, or I have to get my chores done so that mom says I can go play. But what I'm really trying to instill in them is that they're the ones that suffer when they, they pay the price. You know, when they don't brush their teeth, they're the ones that get the cavities. When they don't get their chores done or they don't get their homework done, they're the ones that, you know, suffer the consequences and get the bad grades. I don't suffer so, so they need to stop trying to do it just to be accountable to me. I'm really trying to teach them to be accountable to themselves. Marin, let's wrap up this episode by you telling us what you've learned over the years about how you benefit when you have a good attitude. So what's the difference when you're working and you have a bad attitude and you have a good attitude? How does that affect you? I feel like when I'm working that it goes a lot faster when I have a good attitude because I am just excited you're having more fun, right? When you have a good attitude, like you turn on music, your siblings are helping you and you're not fighting because you have that good attitude. But what happens when you have a bad attitude when you're working? It takes forever. And it's miserable, right? And isn't it weird how the work almost seems harder? Mm-hmm. Like it seems easy when you've chosen a good attitude and almost harder when you've had, when you have a bad attitude. That ties me right in with 
what I love to teach on this podcast, which is that our thoughts create everything. And so the only way you ever have a good attitude is if you're thinking things like, this is easy, this is fun, I'm good at this, I can't wait to see this completed, I, I know the value of hard work, I'm glad to have this opportunity. I don't know if any kids are thinking those thoughts, but there are thoughts that create that good attitude for us. And then the thoughts that create the bad attitude for us when we're working is this is too much, this is too hard, I shouldn't have to be doing this, I wish someone else had to do this, I wish this was already done, I wish Sheila would get her act together and be my maid. (laughs) Anyway, I've really tried to point that out in my kids, just really kind of simply and subtly just showing them when they're just drudging through their work and it's so hard and it's taking them forever we just take a quick look at what's going on in their minds and they they're able to see that they're thinking a lot of really discouraging thoughts that are bringing up that bad attitude and then when we try to turn those thoughts around just a little bit to help promote that good attitude they see such a change in the way they're feeling and in their action line and in their result line and ultimately when they have a good attitude their result line is you know, chores done easily and quickly and moving on with their day. So I think those are all of the thoughts that Marin and I wanted to share with you today. And I'll give you just a mission for this episode, which is to take a look at your work ethic and what you're teaching your kids or what you plan to teach to your kids and start to look how the thoughts are really going to be everything on that. Your thoughts for your models and teaching them and also not teaching your kids the model, but showing them how their thoughts are going to create how they feel about work. Marin, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today and helping me talk to my listeners about teaching kids how to work hard. You're welcome. I had a really fun time. Oh, good. Thanks. I hope you can come on again. Will you come on again? Sure. Oh, good. Okay. So I'm going to end this episode with a hot mess moment. This is probably eight years ago, and we had just moved into our house in Riverton, which is the house that we lived in before this house in Eagle Mountain. And for those of you that move, and I know most of you on here are my fellow military wives who are PCSing, you know that challenge of when you get into a brand new home and you have no food. I mean, you might have packed some pantry items, but there's a good chance you haven't even gotten your stuff yet, right? Anyway, you move into a house, you have no food, and you've been eating out a lot, and you really are getting sick of eating out, and you're getting sick of PB&Js, you're really just wanting to get your house set up, get food in your house so you can start eating like a semi-normal family again. And so we're having that moment in this new house, no food, and I, you guys know I love to cook, and so I just decided Brad was at work. We were trying to get things settled, but I was so ready to have groceries in my kitchen and in my fridge and in my pantry so that I could cook. And so I loaded up the four kids and took them to the grocery store, and it was just one of those funny things where you kind of have to go fast at the grocery store with little kids because they lose their patience and they're asking for everything and you're losing your patience. But because I needed everything I was having a hard time going fast because I just would see some stuff on every aisle that I needed. So I was trying to move as quickly as I could while still being really comprehensive and getting a lot of stuff at the grocery store. I, I guess this was before Walmart pickup, Walmart orders, because that's all I do now. And if I could have done that in this moment, that would have been amazing. But anyway, so I have one of these huge carts at Walmart that has the seats for the kids to sit in that are, it's almost like a big It's not a car, but there's two full seats for kids to sit in and then a full cart. And 
so I had my two older girls walking and my two little ones at the time. This is when I just had four kids sitting and strapped into those big seats. And I was filling up my car as fast as I could. And we're going up and down every aisle and the kids are getting hungry and the kids are getting tired and I'm trying to move quickly. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And yet I'm, you know, filling my cart with amazing things, wanting everything in my cart, excited to get it all checked out and home and into my kitchen so that I can start cooking. And the cart is getting so, so full and we're not to the end yet. So I just keep going, keep going, stacking things on on top. It's starting to get more precarious the way I'm stacking things. We're coming into the final aisles and then the very last part we're going to go through is the produce because that was just the way we looped through Walmart. We kind of started at the back and worked our way all the way up to the front where the produce is and then we were going to go check out. So at this point, I need to use the seats where my kids had been sitting for groceries because we're so close, but I still need all the produce. So I'm carrying my youngest at the time, Bruce, and my three girls. I'm telling them, okay, hold hands, hold each other's hands and just stay with mommy. Follow me, you know, stay close. And I'm getting a little desperate and frantic and they're getting a little desperate and frantic. Um, If any of you have been in this situation, you can really appreciate how you're feeling in that moment. Like you need, you want to, everyone's upset and you're wanting to just almost walk away from the cart and leave the store, but I needed what was in the cart so badly. So we're just muscling through, muscling through. We get the produce. I'm stacking it even more precariously, bags of onions and a bunch of bananas, you know, all this stuff kind of stacked precariously in these seats where kids usually sit. And my three little girls are just trailing behind me and I'm just keep checking back on them. And I'm, my son is in my arms and my arm is falling asleep. And anyway, so we're, we're headed towards the cash register. And I think two of my three girls are crying at this point. We're just a real hot mess. And I'm just, I'm just kind of ignoring that they're crying and just saying, it's okay, come on, it's okay. Like I'm going to buy them a treat. Like I'll do anything to just get them a little happier and get them to just keep following me and get through this checkout line so I can get all this food into my car and get it home. I'm just not, I'm putting band-aids on all these problems because I'm just needing to get checked out and out of the store. And like three things fall off my cart Uh, and start like rolling away it was like the bag of onions fell off and was rolling away and I'm trying to comfort one of the girls crying and still get the cart pushed into the checkout everyone's staring at us we are just completely falling apart a complete mess like if it had been any other shopping trip I probably would have just walked away from my cart and gone home but I was determined to get these groceries so I think at this point now I'm holding two kids and kind of using my elbows to like push my cart through I don't even I don't even know if anyone around me was like wanting to help. I was so like tunnel vision at this point. Just get these groceries purchased and out to my car. I don't remember anyone helping me. I think they might have been afraid of me. You know, I might have been crying. Who even knows? It was a big mess. But we start, you know, I think I get each kid a little treat and I have them set on this bench that I can see just past where I'm checking out. And I have the older kids, the older two kind of with their arm around the younger two. And still, I think two of them are crying and I'm just getting my groceries through, 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 check all out. You know, I had had, someone did help me, I think, pick up my rolling onions, you know, so I got all my groceries that had been spread out across the aisle, all picked up and back into my cart, got everything through, checked out, And I get all the groceries loaded into my car and the kids in the car and I just lost it and just started sobbing. It was so hard, so much work and I needed those groceries so bad and I'm sure we just looked completely crazy, but we made it through. We got home and made, I don't think I made dinner that night. I think I was too broken, but 
I now had food in my fridge, food in my pantry, ready to eat like a semi-normal family and get settled into our brand new house. And it was just such a fiasco. And now I look back at it and I think, oh, I could have handled that in so many different ways. I could have gotten a babysitter. I could have brought someone with me to help. I could have waited till that night when my husband was home from work and gone by myself. If you can relate to those moments where you just keep pushing through, even when you probably should have stopped. I, anyway, I, I hope you guys enjoy that story. And that is what I have for you guys today. So are you ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month, along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.